What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Never a doubt for your Kansas City Chiefs. They move to 2-0 with just great ease. That can only be described as great ease. No, I'm just kidding. Overtime win against a middling Chargers team who showed some spunk, showed some promise as a, as a defense, and, and Justin Herbert did some really good things. But ultimately, the Chiefs get a victory out in their westernmost vacation home, SoFi Stadium, 23-20. Harrison Butker field goal to win the game in overtime. A lot to discuss about that game. And here to help me do that on the AP Laboratory postgame show are my dear pals. First, find them on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Uh, that game existed, Maddie. That's about all I can say about it. It happened. And just like Harrison Bucker going three for three on game-winning field goal attempts, we are having to go four for four on the recording of this podcast as I am having audio false starts. Kent's over here calling timeouts. Craig's hitting us with another timeout afterwards. So this podcast recording is coming at you just like a Harrison Bucker 58-yard game-winning field goal delivered directly to you guys post-Chiefs victory. Craig, Tell the fans how happy they should be that the Chiefs got away with a victory against the Chargers. I mean, the Chiefs should be happy with a victory, but I'm just really going to mail in most of this podcast like the defense did <laughs> and close it out real strong here. But you guys should be happy, especially all you people that were in our mentions at halftime reminding us that we picked a blowout and therefore we jinxed this Chiefs team and they were going to lose. Guess what? They still won. We still predicted correctly, so cool it with that nonsense. We don't need that sort of cursed, you know, Chiefs fan stuff anymore. We're above that now. We're above that. Jinxed them all the way to a Super Bowl last year. I mean, we're, we're on a heater. I invite all turmoil about us predicting blowouts across the board to come at me, especially when I say things like, I don't see any way this game is close. Because quite frankly, even watching the game, I'm just dumbfounded by how this game was close. Now, that being said, when the Chiefs realized mid-third quarter-ish that they were playing the Chargers and it helps to have a game plan for the team you're playing, it kind of looked like they were the better team pretty <laughs> significantly. But that first, you know, half plus a little bit extra where they were just out there like running through a practice, it wasn't looking great. But yeah, if you're mad about us all three predicting blowouts, that's okay. You can send your tweets to me. Don't send them to Craig. He does not enjoy reading the hate mail coming from people about our predictions and the heat that comes with it. I can handle it because I will just mute you. So uh, we can continue <laughs> on with the show now. Well, I think we got to talk about that offense. First off, what bat, offense? Maddie? Well, yeah, no, like, there you go. I think that's where we've got to start with this bad boy because it was, it was disjointed. Uh, it was inefficient. It had some serious question marks from design, from protection, from execution too, and that falls even on the best player in the world, Patrick Levon Mahomes. There was just there was so much, so many issues in that first half offensively, Maddie. 
Yeah, there's. I don't know where to start with this offense to go through here. So I'm just going to start at the beginning of the game, I think. I don't know what the Chiefs' thought process was with coming out the gates and showing some Clyde Edwards-Elaire runs that were having some success, just like they did against the Texans when the Texans were playing to take away the deep ball. And then the Chiefs just essentially moved all the way away from it. And I get it, later in the game when they were sprinkling in some runs, Clyde Edwards-Elaire wasn't having a lot of space to run, but they kept running wide right in which Joey Bosa was eating the runs up. They were having a hard time getting some space. So just from the get-go, you showcase that you can play this power run game with Clyde Edwards-Elaire if a defense is going to play lighter in the box and take away the deep ball. And then you don't bring that game plan whatsoever into the Chargers game when that's how they have played you and continued to play you, especially early in the game. Just, that was a little wild thing that happened for me. Yeah, and the screen game was ridiculously inefficient this week. Andy is typically pretty killer with the screen game, but it seemed like the Chargers were just kind of attacking everything. Anytime it looked like a screen, they were pouring downhill and we didn't really see anything kind of come off of that we didn't see the changeup that happened with that the Chiefs continued to run those until Andy just said all right we're, we're done trying to run those anymore it just seemed like everything that Andy had in his vanilla-ish playbook was something that the Chargers just knew how to attack and attacked it correctly and made tackles in open space Better than I could say about the Chiefs' defense. We'll get there. But, I mean, the they just did a very good job of taking away the basic stuff, the stuff that kind of got Kansas City's rhythm going. And so they never really did until the third quarter there. The stuff that normally doesn't work against the Chargers still didn't work. And the stuff that normally works okay against the Chargers didn't work either. The screen mm -hmm. game, I don't know what it was. I don't know if some, I don't know if the, I don't know if Gus Bradley picked up on a tendency. Uh, I don't know, you know, because it sure seemed like they snipped him out at a higher clip than they normally do. It, I, I think timing was disrupted on all those plays, frankly. Uh, just so many issues, just even just with that little aspect. Um, but just overall struggles, big mistakes. I thought Mahomes actually was pretty bad in the first half, frankly. There was some throws that he normally hits. Actually, I mean, it, it kind of lasted three quarters, frankly. It was it was one of the bigger stinkers of Mahomes' career, I think. And that's not to say that there's not some great plays sprinkled in here and there. Because, oh, I can, we can talk about those. <laughs> there's, there's like three ridiculous throws that no other quarterback can make. Wait, yeah. Can we, actually, let's just, can we, let's, can we just do that right now? Can yeah, we just no, talk let's start about with the, Mahomes. Let's start with the, let's start with like, okay, terrible moments. Some throws behind guys. Like one of the RPOs, like I think it was to, it might have been to Marcus Robinson or it was Sammy. They're blaming Sammy. It was a terrible throw in the double coverage behind him. Just, I'm not I'm not blaming Sammy Watkins, even though it's easy to blame Sammy Watkins for that. But the best player in the world comes out and does a few of the rarest things on the football field you're ever gonna see. 60 yard pass on the run. I, I on a dime. A four yard throw. With anticipation, somehow. I don't even that know that's a throw. Make, I think he I just, like, transported the ball into I, McColl's chest. Like, I, don't, I, I still don't know what that play was. It's probably a better explanation. I legitimately thought that he threw it to the player in front of him. It wasn't until I saw McColl celebrating that I went, oh, oh, Correct. oh that's where the ball is. Like, I'm like, sure there, I'm not even sure there wasn't a hint of no look on that. Like, we'll have to look at it a little bit closer to find out. But none of the defensive players that were within striking distance or contesting 
distance of that throw, which was like at least three, it might have been four, mm-hmm. were even able to see that the ball was there. I don't. And then the Clyde throw that didn't count because of a hold might have been the most ridiculous of them all. Clyde is always going to be a body catcher because he is all body and no arms. But you saw the body control and the focus and the toughness to make that catch. That is why he is here. Uh, because there's not a ton of running backs that are as good at, at that kind of stuff as him. I thought that was a really solid catch from him. There was there was some still there was still some magic from Mahomes, Maddie. There was there, but there was plenty of issues too. Well, and even beyond the magic, I thought Patrick Mahomes was really good. He got the ball really quick out the Travis Kelsey on a lot of these little hitch stick routes, little out routes. He did a good job, especially there in the later third quarter and in the fourth quarter, getting the ball out quick outside the numbers. He was getting the ball quickly to these guys when they had space outside in a position to run after the catch. So he wasn't bad all the way through. But that first half, he made some bad throws. He made some questionable decisions. But more than anything else, we got the quintessential game that we get every single year where Patrick Mahomes drifts backwards over and over into extra pressure. Now, I don't think Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz played particularly well. Let me start off by saying that. But Patrick Mahomes did not make their job easier. For all the Jerry Tillery hype that he was getting during the game, and he had some really good flash plays, he was not consistently up the middle of the Chiefs' offensive line. There was a pocket plenty of times for Mahomes to step up into, and he just wasn't going forward. I think where the Chargers' pass rush really gets to the Chiefs, more so than other teams with equally talented players, they play them so much, they know the Patrick Mahomes' tendency to drift, to hit his spot, and then drift because he has the arm talent that it doesn't matter. They're rushing 10, 11, 12 yards deep in a relatively straight line. They're not trying to turn the corner at 8 yards, maybe loop around at 10 so they come back up behind the quarterback. They know Mahomes is going to come back to them. They take very direct, very deep angles, and I don't think the Chiefs or Patrick Mahomes specifically isn't doing a good job adapting to that until the Chiefs get in their quick game. And we're going to circle back to Andy, to him helping Patrick Mahomes out later in the game, but... Pat has a game or two like this every single season where he puts a lot of pressure on himself and his offensive tackles and they're blocking against good edge rushers because they have good deep rushes. And this was the game. He did a very bad job about helping his offensive tackles in the first half. Yeah, we've seen that a little bit throughout the course of his career. Uh, Colts a little bit last year, although Cam Irving was playing in that game. We've seen times against the Patriots that he just continues to drift and those guys adjust. You know, when you have good edge rushers that can make that adjustment mid-game that aren't just, you know, kind of robots hitting that eight yards and trying to turn right there, when they can adjust and get a little bit deeper, that's what gives Mahomes fits because he doesn't like to step up through the pocket unless he's willing to scramble. You know, you see it at the end of the game, he feels that pressure. He starts stepping up through the pocket to scramble all of a sudden. Not necessarily to throw, but to scramble. Now, that's just one element of his game that maybe he's going to have to control, although you say control. It does give his offensive tackles fits, but honestly, he makes so many plays out of structure by rolling out from behind the pocket that it's hard to really fault him for just feeling comfortable doing that but it does result in some matchups like we saw today Joey Bosa manhandled Mitchell Schwartz for most of the day and there's been a couple of instances there where Mahomes definitely made it harder on those guys the upside of Mahomes maybe adjusting his drops for depth is wasp (laughs) yeah the down the downside is what we saw today 
Um, that is one of the things that Mahomes consistently struggles with is just inconsistent drops. And it's, it's always been there. There's stretches where it gets a lot better. Like talk to us in three weeks and it's going to be noticeably different because it always is. This always happens. This ha- I think this has happened. I mean, three years, honestly, um, big adjustments as the season goes on where you're more consistent. This was one of those reality checks and it came against a very, very good front. And frankly, you know, one of the things that really kept the Chargers in this game uh, was that group up front, just just manhandling uh, this Chargers or this Chiefs, Chiefs offensive line. There's just it, it, they got tested in a lot of different ways, uh, a lot of different ways. Matty, do you have something else you want to say offensively? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we have to go into Andy Reid a little bit here because we were pretty harsh on him last season for not really helping out the receivers, especially when Tyree Kill was hurt and through the first half of the year. And I think against the Texans and even parts first, this Chargers team, it was better. Like you can tell that Andy was trying to help them, but I thought that the first two and a half quarters, the Chiefs game plan was just a basic level game plan that you would see in the preseason. It didn't look specifically targeted to take on the Los Angeles Chargers who have a very good defensive game plan to attack the Chiefs. They play everyone deep and this moment they hit about two to three seconds in the play, everyone starts to attack anything in front of them. That's why we see the Chiefs screen game get blown up. You see those late passes to the flat to your running backs have three guys on top of them. The Chargers take away the deep passes, the first or second read, and then they drive on anything underneath. The Chiefs did a terrible job countering that, and they don't usually do a good job until midway through the third quarter. You saw the Chiefs spread them out a little bit. You saw them try to throw a few more slants. Travis Kelsey was working over Mike Davis when they were lined up one-on-one. They did a lot better job just creating space, getting the quick passing game working, and then you started seeing some of those designed rollouts later on to get some of the bigger plays. It It took Andy over a half to actually start using play calls or a game plan that looked like it was designed specifically to beat the Chargers. I'm crossing my fingers this doesn't become a trend, and this is just a little case of a looking forward to the next week's big matchup with the Ravens rather than something that's going to happen each week. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. 
So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. I, uh, I think the Chiefs defense was trying to tackle Ravens because they were definitely looking ahead to something that wasn't there. Uh, just an abysmal tack- tackling performance. One of the worst tackling performances I've ever seen from a defense. Um, and it looked disproportionately bad to a league that has been a terrible tackling league so far. Uh, just s- extremely discouraging with the Ravens game happening on Monday night next week, Craig. Yeah, uh, they have to clean uh, all of that up before they play against the Ravens. I This was abysmal. There were multiple drives. Justin Herbert, all due credit to him, he looked good. He got the ball out quick. They definitely were preparing for a different team with Tyrod Taylor that you know the Chargers were going to present. Uh, Justin Herbert came out, got guys open into space, attacked the Chiefs' zone defense, and then allowed his guys to try and make guys miss. And they did. Because the Chiefs' linebackers, safeties, even defensive ends and defensive tackles were just bouncing off guys. like it Just not wrapping up, not settling down into those spaces and making a play. It was just very rare. Rashad Fenton made a tackle in overtime to stop a wide receiver from getting a first down. And that was the first time that I actually uttered the words, good tackle by, you know, to anybody throughout the course of the game. It really was a, just a poor effort on that. And Steve Spagnuolo has talked about all, you know, the lead up to this season here about how he was worried about tackling his biggest fears were on the field this week because they couldn't tackle and it ended up with big, long, sustained drives because they just couldn't bring these guys down when they had them dead to rights at the line of scrimmage or a couple yards deeper, resulting in some 11, 12, 13-yard plays that just continued the drives. The tackling was poor. I don't think the Chiefs tackling, even under C. Spagnuolo, got better under Spagnuolo than it was under Bob Sutton those last couple years, for sure. But I don't think the Chiefs have been an excellent tackling team, and it's really weird just given the some of the leadership and some of the intensity they have they still have a lot of missed tackles. And I think part of that is not having the best athletes in the middle of the field at times, guys that aren't always in the best position. And you saw plenty of that. Like we don't need to go into how slow the linebackers were looked, how they constantly don't get to a running back until they're five yards downfield. And then they get run over by tiny little Austin Eckler for an extra three yards. Like we don't have to go too far into that, but just overall tackling, not great for the chiefs. And that's where I think they miss Charvarius Ward and Bashad Breland the most. I think we'll get to the secondary in a second, but Legarius Sneed played well. Rashad Fenton was up and down, but Breland, Charvarius Ward, those guys are excellent in the flats making tackles, whether on running backs, whether working through blocks against wide receivers on screens. Those guys are really good at beating blocks or at least shoving blockers into rushing lanes. Legarius Sneed and Rashad Fenton are not. You saw the Chargers throw plenty of little quick swing passes that just acted as screen plays, and our corners were getting blown off the line of scrimmage. So getting Breland and Ward back next week will be super helpful for that because I think both of those guys are really good kind of just playing the run and physically out there in space. Well, Breland's week four, uh, week five, actually. So That's you right. got four weeks on Bashad Breland. You do have a chance to get Charvarius Ward back with one hand. One hand, it might still be a better... <laughs> Maybe. Like, you really might. Still might be better. 
Um, it the thing I kept noticing about the, the tackling is it's it was not one or two guys; it was nine or ten, and it just all opportunities to make plays behind the line of scrimmage, falling by the wayside, coming in too high, um, corners, linebackers, Dan Sorensen's. Um, just, there's just, it was, it was brutal across the board and it just, there's not a ton of confidence I have. Like, I mean, I, you know, I, I feel like a guy like Ben Neiman's on the field right now because he does his job. He's where he's supposed to be. So he's in position to miss a tackle, which is just, just so great. I mean, I, I, that's how I want to operate. Um, you know, I, we can, let's just talk about the linebackers a little bit. We saw a little bit of Willie Gay. Um, and he was running around like a madman, but at least he was doing it violently. Um, he may not have known where he was going to be, but like, at least, at least he's running hard and, you know, getting there. Uh, Ben Neiman's in position and just missing plays and missing tackles. I don't understand, Craig. Yeah. Uh, we got to see a little bit of Will Gay this week. Um, he, he's fast. He looked fast. It was right. <laughs> he looked, he looked real fast. You guys. I don't know that he knew where anybody was supposed to be or really lined anybody up particularly well. He was thrust in. You know, it's not one of those situations where it's like, we're going to get Willie Gay some snaps this week. Damian Wilson went out with what appeared to be a concussion and was really wobbly on the sidelines. And then the very next drive, he was in the game. So it may have been even that same drive. I can't remember exactly, but he was right back in the game. Anthony Hitchens then got hurt a couple plays later. So we got a couple of plays with Ben Neiman and Willie Gay next to each other and woof. Then, you know, Hitchens came back and Wilson, but everybody by and large looked terrible at linebacker. All of those little, you know, hook routes, all those little plays that are right there in the middle of the field, the tight ends, running backs that the Chargers just kind of exploited all day long. They were throwing right in front of the Chiefs linebackers, and then the Chiefs linebackers, particularly Ben Neiman, would run up, bounce off of a dude, and it would keep going there. It has to be better. You can't have poor zonal awareness to where you can't close on the throw at the catch point. You can't have these situations where you're four yards away and then are trying to come to the spot to make a play downfield and then bouncing off of a guy. And then in the run game, you can't be standing five yards back against tiny running backs and still getting bowled over. These are supposed to be bigger, slower, heavier dudes. I I just don't get what the Chiefs are getting out of their linebackers right now. They They don't win in the run game. They don't win in the pass game. They can't tackle. Where is the spot that they win, Maddie? I mean, there isn't one. Like, that's my issue. And I think I tweeted it out like <laughs> three or four times during the game. Like, if you have big, smart linebackers that are thumping downhill, you can't hit Austin Eckler, one, five yards deep because you can't get to the line of scrimmage in the correct hole. But then you can't let Austin Eckler fall forward for seven, eight yards total. Like, you have to stop him where you hit him if you're Anthony Hitchens or Damian Wilson because you are a bigger, slower guy. You're not going to be shooting into the backfield very often and you have to make the tackle on the spot. They're lucky to just make the tackle. God forbid it be at the point of contact. Then Ben Neiman, you know, we know Ben Neiman's a smaller linebacker. He's out there because he's smart and he can cover. 
kind of, sort of. He had a somewhat good coverage play against, I think it was Hunter Henry, where he was kind of face guarding him downfield, but he was, there. was. He made the throw difficult. And that's what he's out there for. The issue is, we are the biggest proponents of Willie Gay on this podcast. We have liked him from the get-go. Craig and I both kind of called him separately to Derek Johnson when we were scouting him coming out of college. We think he's a very good player, a very good prospect, a ton of potential. When he was on the field, he looked like a guy not ready to play in the NFL. Like I, I don't want to say it, but he looked like a guy not mentally ready to play in the NFL. And while if I was a coach, I would try to work him in there so he gets the experience and just provides athleticism. This coaching staff is clearly valuing that IQ. They very clearly value players that know where they need to be, how they have to get there, and little things like that. That's something that I don't think Willie Gay can do at this point in time, and that's why you don't see him get on the field and how Dorian O'Daniel even gets on the field over him. It's unfortunate, but I think that's where we are right now. Hopefully this leads them to getting him some more snaps in the future, but I just I can't promise that because he really looked like a guy that was just running around. But like, what's the value of all these guys that aren't as talented? Because like at some point, like I understand he did look ungood today. I'm just also like, there's a breaking point, I think. And I'm at it because I'd rather see him make a bunch of mistakes and make a bunch of mistakes at a thousand miles an hour. Because these guys are making mistakes at a slower pace. And it's, I mean, the Chargers, dude, the, you want to know how this game was won by the Kansas City Chiefs? Here's how. The Chargers threw the ball to Legereus Sneed on like a third and one or a second one. The Chargers could have marched down the field at that seven-yard per carry clip that they were getting on the entire series without having to hand the ball, in, put the ball in the hands of their rookie quarterback. And the game's over. That's they them throwing the ball was the like they could have just kept driving down the field because no one was going to make a play. Anthony Hitchens was going to continue to make angles away from the sideline. Like he's not even going down the sideline. He's going like he's making an angle away. He's making contact at seven yards on outside Listen, runs. You're ranting about the Chiefs best linebacker today. Yes. <laughs> And not, and it wasn't particularly close. I even said something earlier on. I was like, "Hey, for Anthony Hitchens, he's looking pretty salty today." For but, and then it, Anthony Hitchens. I know. I put that caveat on there. You know how critical the caveat is. Here's the issue: Willie Gay runs around at 100 miles an hour. He he looked like he was processing the game in reverse. So, like, I think that's why he's not out there. There was a play where he literally didn't get more than a foot out of his stance that went over two seconds long because he was just trying to figure out where contact was coming from and where he had to go. And I get it. I can live with that mistake to get some highlight plays. I just don't think the Chiefs coaching staff feels comfortable with him out there yet. So it is what it is. Now, we need to move on to a guy the Chiefs coaching staff hopefully feels comfortable with but played very poorly today and won 4 <sighs> Yeah. This was Juan Thornhill's worst game as a Kansas City Chief, and they talked this week about how maybe he was a little out of shape, and I think some of his angles kind of showed that. He didn't look quite as explosive as he did last year. He's working back from an injury. That's acceptable. His angle and lack of attacking the ball on that first drive wheel route was just disheartening. Ugh. That's a free interception for the Juan Thornhill that we saw at Virginia that we saw last year and he was just he looked so lost trying to get to that football and then we want to talk about missed tackles he might have had more missed tackles than everybody else in the Chiefs defense combined and that's saying something because nobody could tackle but he was whiffing a lot and that's never been his strongest suit he's a very much an ankle dive tackler 
but he had some really bad ones today. Like, I'm hoping he rebounds. I think he will. I think he's still working back into football shape. But if we're going to place blame on people for giving up chunk plays, I mean, Thornhill has to take a hefty amount for this game. Yeah, that that wheel route is still coming down. That's how much of a moonshot it was. And Juan never saw it. It was, uh, yeah, it, when, when Justin Herbert let that ball go and the camera panned over and I saw it was Juan there, I said the words pick. It came out of my mouth because I just expected him to come down with it. It's it's a back. It's, you know, wide open there. And he just never saw it. Never came down with it. I just, last week was not a good game for Juan Thornhill. And we didn't really say much of it because, you know, week one, coming back from injury, everything like that. Some of the coaches talked about it a little bit, said that he's still growing into it. This was bad. This actively hurt the team with his play this week. I actually thought that Tedrick Thompson made a really nice stop about midway through the third quarter on a tight end to to kind of force a a drive to end there. I I was really, the more we see Tedrick Thompson on the field, I've actually been okay with him getting on the field. If Juan is going to look like that, and I get that he is coming back from injury, I want him on the field. We just need a healthier version of that man because right now it's it's just not good. I think the thing that concerns me is, you know, turning your head and locating a football has nothing to do with your knee. Right. You know, and that was just a little surprising. Like, he didn't even have the thought to try to turn and make a play on the ball or look to make a play on the football. And that was really just – it was bizarre because that's that's a play Juan Thornhill makes last year as a rookie. Uh, and honestly, a couple of these ankle tackles are plays that Juan Thornhill makes as a rookie. Um, he doesn't look right physically entirely. But he doesn't look like men- look right mentally either, and that's just very surprising for a guy that really was was coming onto his own or coming into his own uh, shortly before he got hurt. And so that's just it was it was pretty surprising. Uh, I think one other thing we got to talk about is Frank Clark, his exit. It uh, it it made an impact uh, for sure, and Maddie might have even affected how the Chargers were playing a little bit. Yeah, so Frank Clark was last on the field for the second to last play in the first half. On Tyron Matthews' sack, that ended up not being a sack because of a penalty. Frank Clark bowled over whoever was playing right tackle time. I think it was Trey Pipkins. And when Tyron Matthew got the sack, he kind of, to me, Frank Clark looked like he was kind of stretching out his growing a little bit or something. And then he didn't play the next snap. That extra, The next play after the penalty to end the first half, he wasn't on the field. It was announced coming out of halftime that he wasn't going to play because of an illness. So maybe there was an illness. I just noticed him on the field, looked like he was stretching out something, and then he never came back. And from that point on, I think you saw the Chargers felt a little bit more comfortable calling real pass plays and not just play action or quick hitting pass plays. I think you saw Chris Jones kind of productivity as a pass rusher drop because he was obviously seeing more players now. But more than anything else, without Frank Clark on the field, I mean, well, okay, two things. The run defense, terrible from the defensive ends. There was nobody on the backside of any play closing anything down. But more than that, I think a really big part was they didn't have anybody dynamic rushing the passer whatsoever. Yeah, I, I just think that when you take a weapon like that off the field, um, it, it just gets bad, especially somebody with that kind of intensity in a game where, frankly, you're getting your ass kicked a little bit. Uh, you want a guy like that on the field. We started to see Tyron Matthew step up and and kind of make a bunch of plays and step up 
and rally the troops a little bit there near the end of the game. Frank Clark is that kind of guy. And when you miss that in a game where everything seems to be going wrong and the offense is just doing chunk play after chunk play after chunk play, it's a little bit of a problem. You need that intensity. Hopefully, this this illness is going to be you know not a big deal for him, but we'll just have to see how that goes. It's something to monitor with Frank Clark, I think, because this isn't the first time we've seen an illness from him, and I'm guessing it's probably not going to be the last time. There's always just these weird illnesses that come up, and I don't know entirely what that is. Uh, but he was dealing with with a you know dealing with it today as well. I mean, it's this isn't the first time. It's it's something to monitor for sure. Um, but yeah, All right, what closing thoughts today, boys? Uh, let's just let Maddie kick this thing off. What what are your closing thoughts today? I really hope the first half of this game offensively was just simply due to a team that was looking forward to the Ravens and trying to just play a vanilla, not a vanilla as in this isn't a lot of stuff thrown at you, but a very basic, this is a game plan that we're going to use to win games. Just they weren't trying to specifically target the Chargers, trying to show any of their real deep stuff. Because if that's the case, I'm fine. If they came out with their game plan to attack the Chargers was essentially doing nothing differently than every other time they struggle against the Chargers in the past two years, I'm a little worried. I hope that's not the case. Defensively, get Frank Clark healthy. Get Charvarius Ward back across from Legereus Need just especially for the Ravens, who are going to attack the edges a lot and make you tackle in space. I feel pretty good. I'm glad the Chiefs got a win out of this. I think there is a th- some optimism to be had going forward if those things happen. But if not, if this is the Chiefs you're going to get for a while, whew, there's going to be a tough little stretch here coming up for a minute. I think the Chiefs' weapons looked okay. Uh, Travis Kelsey obviously was great. Uh, Tyreek Hill had an up-and-down game, but mostly up. Uh, I thought McCall Hardman, after Sammy Watkins took that cheap shot, that helmet to helmet that did not get called for some reason and Andy is apparently incensed by that by the way we'll we'll see how that shakes out from the league but I would expect to find but I thought that McColl actually stepped in okay there still has problems that need to work out but it was nice to see him fill into the game a little bit when Sammy was out and make some plays that's good that is good going forward and then the last thing Harrison Butker my goodness. <laughs> the man. What about Tommy? Has, listen, Hey, listen. Tommy was fine. Tommy could have had a better game. If we're, if we're kicking it. We need some uh, jingle music for the special teams corner over here. Uh, but Tommy was fine. Harrison Butker has just full-on ice in his veins. That dude, to drill three straight kicks in that situation. We see kickers fail at that all the time. It's a mental thing. You end up hooking one, especially from that distance. They talked about how his leg, his power, and his kicks looked better this offseason. Boy, we had to wait two whole games to see him drill multiple 58-yarders. Multiple. That's uh, under pressure. That's massive. Harrison Butker is the reason that they won this game today. Because that offense and and overtime stalled badly. So for him to step in and drill that, uh, kudos to him. You heard it here first. Watch your back, Justin Tucker. Yes, it's, oh, he's, he's coming, coming for you. Brett Veach, Brett Veach grabbed Harrison Butker off the practice squad of the Carolina Panthers. What a move. That was, I think that happened in, oh, that was in 2017, not 2018. I was going to say that was the best movie made in 2018 <laughs> from all the rookies, but no, not quite. 
Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot that this team's gonna have to work on before Baltimore. And I actually think in some ways this could could be a good thing, seeing such an abysmal performance and putting that on tape. Uh, I think, you know, that could really focus these guys for a big game and help them kind of, you know, have some things to, to really, you know, chi- you know hone, hone in on before a big game. Um, because you know the leadership within that locker room is not going to let what happened and what was on tape this week be, you know, good enough. Uh, so I think that's what you got to hope for. Uh, it's a big week coming up. It's a big week coming up, and you should make sure to listen to the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel for everything that we've got going on. We'll be back later in the week with the mailbag edition, and uh, you'll you'll have so much on the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel throughout the week. Thank you all so much for listening. Chiefs win 23-20, advance to 2-0. Big week against the Baltimore Ravens next week. Can't wait. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.